Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That My name is Grant, and I really appreciate you hanging out with us. I know wherever you may be in the world, however you may be doing, whatever you're up to, wherever life is taking you on the journey, the adventure that we like to call life, then I appreciate you making us part of the day, part of the journey. Really, uh, really means a lot. Hey, today we are joined by my buddy uh, PT, also known as uh, Philip Taylor. The guy with Philip Taylor sounds like a country music singer, doesn't it? Maybe a little bit. I don't know, perhaps. PT, uh, he actually runs a, a website, a blog called PT Money, and started that journey uh, several years ago, so we talk about that. But we also spent some time talking about a, an endeavor he started a couple years ago called FinCon. It's the Financial Bloggers Expo. And he noticed and recognized that he was in the space. He wanted to meet some of his online friends and prove to his family that they were actually real people. So he decided to create an event, a conference, to bring some of this tribe together. And so he created FinCon about five years ago or so. And it's become a, a very, very popular conference, not only in the, the personal blogging financial space, but also just in the kind of the online business space. It's a really popular conference. And so we talk about that. In fact, uh, uh, I will be actually keynoting the conference this year. It's going to be in September in Charlotte. So if you are in the area, if you're in the space and industry, definitely want to mark that down. And we'd love to have you be a part of the conference. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. When we talk about what it's like to plan a conference, what it's like to throw an event, and what it's like to bring together a community of people around a, a similar topic or subject. So also make sure that you stick around for the bonus material where uh, PT and I talk a few extra minutes there. You're not going to want to miss that really good stuff. So let's get right into it, my friends. Here is my chit chat with my buddy PT Money and FinCon. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my good buddy and pal, Philip Taylor, also known as PT. And this guy is a uh, financial blogger, but he's also, uh, he started FinCon, the Financial Bloggers Conference, which is a uh, just a really, really cool conference that we're going to be getting into talking a little bit about today. But like, how do you plan a conference? How do you plan an event like this? How do you take maybe what your expertise or knowledge is and turn it into uh, this live event to kind of rally a, a tribe or a community of people around? So excited to get into this story and journey today. So PT, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. Good to be here, man. I'm pumped. Good to hang out with you. I dig you. We've, we've hung out a few times before in person, and anytime we're together, I always come away smiling because I, I like your swell dude. I appreciate that. I feel <laughs> the same way. <laughs> so you run FinCon, this financial bloggers conference, which we'll talk a little bit about, but you also kind of how you got into that started more with a, a personal finance blog. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Back in 2007, I started PT Money. What all do you cover on that? Because like, there's, there's so many different financial blogs out there. So do you right. have any niche or specialty that you, you talk about or you cover a wide range of subjects or topics? Yeah, I try to focus on like improving your financial life so then you can kind of do what you want. That's my story. You know, I fixed my finances so then I was able to kind of become an entrepreneur, do cool things like be a blogger for a living and run a conference. So I just focus on like that, like those initial steps to financial freedom. Here lately, I'm also into a little bit of real estate and some investing stuff. So I dabble in those discussions as well. And PT Money, you know, has traditionally been a true blog, and that you can see my story on there. But we also try to just share general personal finance information as well as uh, products and service comparisons and reviews like that. So if you're looking for like what checking account 
online checking account should I get started with? We have that kind of stuff too. And you know, the interesting thing about personal finance is it's one of those like rare things that you interact with literally every day of, of life. Like there's very few things that affect you like like money can or, or does. And so I've always been fascinated by the subject topic. Like we pay super close attention to our own personal finances because it can have such a, a huge impact both positively or negatively on your life. Yep, totally. It's everywhere. And it's provided lots of good content ideas for me as I, I grew that blog. And just something about that topic, and we can get into this later when we talk about the event, but just something about people who are willing to kind of bring that subject up and talk about it and blog about it and share their experience. That's actually rare these days. It's like the last taboo, right? We'll talk right. about anything and you can see anything on TV, but you can't open up anybody's wallet. And so I think people who are willing to do that and kind of get into that, there's kind of a special bond that's formed online, I think, with between reader and, and writer and, and amongst each other. It's a cool community. Yeah, for sure. Let's backtrack a little bit. What was like financial life like for you growing up? Were your parents pretty frugal? Did they pay close attention to their finances? Did you have a lot? Did you have a little? What was life like? We were pretty up and down. My dad was an entrepreneur at times. He's a CPA, just like me. So he's had his own practice. He's worked for businesses. He's started things. And so there were some ups and downs financially for us. So it kind of ran the gamut. My parents really kind of shielded me from our finances. But my dad being a CPA, he always kind of tried to share like investing and tax information with me. And so I had a strong knowledge of that growing up. But the daily budgeting and the, and the spending and the debt part of it, I was kind of blind to it all. And so that kind of hit me post-college slap across the face, you know, really having to deal with that stuff. So was your plan just to, in terms of a career-wise, was your plan just to, to become a CPA, just follow in his footsteps? Or did he have a, an existing practice you were going to take over or work in, or what was that kind of like? Well, I wanted to play fullback for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> nice. So, All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that didn't happen. So Did you uh, play football? <laughs> well, I played in high school, and I walked on at college. So Where, where'd you play I, at college? Louisiana Tech. Okay. Were you, yeah. were you any good? No, no, not good at all. <laughs> I quickly realized that uh, there was a reason I got the business scholarship to go there, and I should probably focus on that. So nice. I uh, reluctantly went into accounting, just like my father. I knew I was had the skill set for it naturally, I guess, and I had the best teacher anyone could ask for. And I got it, like that success that I had in accounting. And so I just saw myself, well, I might as well do the best I can with this and then kind of see what happens next. And so I went into that world. My dad, of course, has his own CP, had his own CPA practice by that time and still does to this day and certainly would have loved having me, you know, it being a Taylor and Sons kind of uh, operation. And so what I did right out of college, I tried uh, working for some big firms, small firms, just to kind of get my experience down. And I just discovered, man, I just didn't want to be Every partner I ever met in those experiences, I just didn't want to be that guy. You know, I never wanted to, I could see myself working hard to get to that point to be that person. And so I knew that was kind of trouble. I was like, I got to figure something else out here. So, but I spent some time doing that. And then I finally found internal auditing, which was a little better fit, working for a corporation basically inside their internal department. And that uh, was a little more balanced, and I guess I could see myself tolerating that for a little while until I figured out uh, my next move. All right, you touched on a couple different things there I'm curious about. Let's go back to, so you started going down the CPA path, in part because your dad had done it, but also in part because you enjoyed it, something that you knew. And I think there's some people that worry or thinking about their career choice and how that is affected by their, their parents or relationships with other people. Did you ever feel like pressured to do that, or is it just kind of like, 
this is just the path of least resistance. This is what I grew up around. So it just seems logical that this is the next possible step. Or, or how did your relationship with your dad affect your, your career decision? Yeah, there was a little bit of pressure. My dad never outright said, you need to do this. You have to do this. Getting that business scholarship, I think, had a lot to do with me picking that over civil engineering or some other type of pursuit. And I always just said, well, I can always change once I get into these accounting classes and figure out if I really like it or not. And so once I did those first two accounting classes and the teacher was coming up to me saying, you know, you scored the highest on the test and you're setting the curve and you're, you know, the all-star in here. I was like, that reward from that, I think, drove me for the next few years, being the stud in there, even though it wasn't necessarily something that I was. But at the same time, I saw my dad's success, ups and downs, yes, but he's a man who created his own path. And I knew I wanted that for my life. I knew I wanted to have my own sort of thing and to be able to kind of call my own shots. And that's what he's always been able to do. And having that CPA was something that uh, I wanted, you know, and so I went after it. I eventually did get that. But yeah, so what I would say is it's okay to kind of chase that thing. If you're not sure what you want to do, it's okay to kind of chase that sure bet. And there's nothing wrong with an accounting degree. If you can if you can get in there and you do it and you like it, I mean, that's like one of the best things you can spend your college money on is an accounting degree because those jobs are out there. But how do you balance that with, because you kind of said there that you're in class, you're doing a couple of classes, you're top of the class, you're the stud of the class. You're really, really good at it, but it sounds like you kind of enjoy it. Maybe you didn't. You're, I don't know if you if you even knew at the time whether or not you enjoyed it. So what do you do in that type of spot where it's like, I'm really good at this thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'd want to make a living from that. So why did you decide then to keep pursuing it as a career if you were good at it, but you, like, I guess I should ask, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed the feeling of success, like I said, from it. Yeah. And, and even, even when I started getting interviews with these big firms and things, it was like they were pursuing me, you know? And I just enjoyed that feeling of being kind of the top guy and being recruited and all that. And the thing was, Grant, I just didn't have any other thing I wanted to do. I mean, I was in a band at the time, so sure, I would have liked to have played music for a living, I guess, or found that second football career or something, but I was practical at the same time, you know, and I just realized that those are things I can pursue on the side until maybe one of those catches on, but I got to kind of chase this thing that I'm good at and these people really want me for. So that's the path. You're planning on going down the, the CPA path, but you said you, you know, you finished school, you're going into it. It sounds like parts of it you like, parts of it you didn't. You decided to do the internal audit thing, working with a corporation. What led to you being at a point where it's like, okay, I, I got to shift and do something different and, and at least try this corporation thing or try this internal audit role? It was definitely dealing with clients and working like 60, 70 hours a week. So when you work for these big firms, there's just a huge demand during the busy season. If you do any tax work or during the audit kind of closed season, they expect you to put in 60, 70, 80 hours. And so, and like I said, I just looked at those bosses of mine and I said, I kept asking myself, do I want to be that person? Do I want to work hard to get to be that person? And I just never could feel good about that. I don't know if it was just the people I was working for or if it was really the the type of work I was doing. I think it was a little bit of both. Just didn't get much satisfaction out of it. And I didn't feel like I think I wasn't getting that same sense of success and reward from the career as I did academically from it. So I don't know. I I think had I got had I received that, I think I had uh, I would have continued to pursue it. So like nine months in I bailed. Nine months. (laughs) Yeah. And now now I, I did some back and forth for a few years doing stupid jobs and uh, well not stupid jobs but 
non-accounting jobs, kind of back and forth until I finally found internal auditing. But yeah, I, w- I was kind of done with the big public accounting scene. Okay, I'm curious then. So you're going the CPA route, you get into your nine months in and realize, all right, this isn't for me. You bail. What is that season like next? Oh. Before you find the internal thing, when you're doing the quote unquote stupid jobs for a little while, because <laughs> uh, you went to college, like this is what you th- wanted yep. to do. Like this is what your dad thought you were going to do. This is what you planned on doing with your entire life. You spent nine months and realized it sucks and it's not what you wanted to do. So right. what, like, what are the next few months like figuring out what you do next? It was pretty torturous. I mean, there was a little bit of, I guess, freedom in the fact that I had the boldness to make the move, but I really didn't have a plan for what's next. And I was scared and I was confused and just felt pretty depressed. I worked doing waiting tables. I was a lifeguard. I parked cars. I just kind of did what I needed to do to kind of get by. I think I had one more class technically left on my master's. So I went and took some classes too. Just kind of flopped around for a year. Literally ended back up on my parents' couch. <laughs> so <you're coming laughs> After all that full success. Circle. Oh, man. Yeah. It was a mess. You spend a year flopping around, end up on, on mom and dad's couch, and then you decide to do the internal audit thing. When you start doing that, are you feeling like, okay, this is closer to what I want to do? Or is it feeling like, eh, this is just another quote unquote stupid job, but I'm just buying myself time? Yeah, it was okay. I'll go back for the big paycheck, but I'll at least do it where it's a little more reasonable and I can have my 5 p.m. until to do whatever I want. The weekend's free as well. And so I just kind of conceded. I was like, all right, I'll get back into this world, this corporate finance world, make the money, and then hopefully at some point figure out my next move. And I did that for another five or six years. Okay, five, six years. And what's the move after that? In 2005, 2006, I was getting engaged, getting married, getting serious about my money. I mentioned earlier how I kind of had my tax and investing scene down. But on the personal side, my daily spending, my budgeting, my savings, things like that just weren't on point. And so I got I dug into Dave Ramsey around 2004, 2005. I read David Bach's Automatic Millionaire. Yeah. And I just got hooked on the topic of personal finance. And so that's when I started sort of building the desire to eventually write about personal finance. It took two or three years of just like soaking up those topics and really geeking out about reading that personal finance material, studying blogs online and kind of seeing, hey, this might be something I want to do for myself, you know. So at that point, you've been doing the internal auditing thing for five, six years. You start getting interested in personal finance. You start getting interested in blogging about personal finance. Was there ever like a light bulb moment where you're, you find other blogs that were talking about it that you're just like, oh, that's it. Like, that's what I want to do. They are a step ahead of me. Did you ever come across those or have any of those type of moments? Absolutely. Yeah. In, in fact, one of the earliest blogs I read was Luke Landis' uh, Consumerism Commentary. He's been around since like 02, 03. And he really was just sharing kind of his story online. I really just resonated with it. I went to the site every day to learn. And I was imp- and at the same time, I was deciding to improve my own financial situation. Yeah. I mean, there was lots of inspiration out there. And they say, you know, you can only consume so much. I wasn't naturally a writer. My mom, in hindsight now, I look back, my mom is kind of is a writer, but I didn't pick up any of those things naturally. But I guess I kind of had that little bit of creative side in me. And after con- just consuming, consuming, consuming so much content on that subject and just geeking out about it, it was like, okay, I'm to the point where to where I know all this now. I can actually start. Plus, with my CPA background, I kind of had a leg up, I thought. So it's like, okay, now I can get out there and share my own unique twist on this topic. 
I'm just going to do this because it's just kind of fun. It's just a little creative outlet for me. Or is the plan ever like, I think if I do this and I stick with this long enough, this could become a, a full-time thing. It's going to get me out of the internal auditing thing. What, right. like, what was the hope that the blog would become? My hope it would create some extra income. It was certainly, I would not have done it just for that. Certainly not. I did it because I was a total nerd about it, about the subject. But I tried to monetize pretty early, I guess, Within six months of doing it, I, I tried to kind of turn on the monetization element of it and try yeah. to figure out how to do it more consistently and take it more professionally and, and make some money off of it. Yeah. So th- there was that. There was a little bit of that because I was seeing as I was reading and I was watching these other sites develop, I was seeing, hey, they're kind of figuring this, this part-time income out too. So. so you start doing it with the hopes of, okay, I can just make a couple bucks from this. And if I make a couple bucks and it, it makes things a little easier for us on our own personal budget, great. That's a win. How long were you doing the blog before you felt like, I don't know, maybe I could do this full time. Maybe this could become my thing. Yeah. So I would say I started in 07, got serious in 08. And then by, I would say the fall of 2009 is when I started kind of getting that feeling. But it was not practical at all. So I dismissed those feelings as much as possible. I'm a conservative guy. We were about to have our first child. My wife was about to leave her job. So I don't know. It was just really bad timing, you know. But is there ever, like, good timing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like when's the best no. time to have a baby? When's the best time to start right. a family? When's the best time to quit your job? When's the best time to start a business? Like, there's never a perfect time. So you're starting to get more serious in it one year. The next year, you're closer to being able to pull the trigger, but the timing's not right. So at what point did you decide that the timing was right to be able to, yeah. to make the leap? So this whole time, because we're, we're steadily improving our financial situation. By this point, we've paid off all of our debts besides our house. We've saved up you know, a big emergency fund, a big chunk there. So our financial situation is, is like pretty pristine. Then that next spring, so spring of 2010, I was asked to go with my job. My job was very he- heavy travel. These were fun trips to like India and, and Sydney and, and Europe. And, and there, I would go for three weeks at a time. Wow. And so when, I was, when it was just me and my wife, it was cool because I could bring her sometimes. And it was, we got to see the world. It was nice. But yeah. then when we had a baby in 2009. Changes everything. You know, that, yeah, that changed everything. And I was going to be in India for three weeks over my kid's first birthday. So my wife was like, wow, that's really disappointing. Can you get out of it? I couldn't get out of it. And it was just that plus the combination of our finances being in such a great spot. And me being an accounting guy, I was like, well, even though the market's kind of bad and we're in DFW, so it's kind of somewhat shielded from some of the job losses out there. I was like, I'm an accountant. I got my CPA. I could come back to some of this if I wanted to. So let's give this thing a try. And so my wife was like, I use kind of that opportunity with my wife, with me you know, having to miss the birthday, I kind of used that as an opportunity to kind of springboard the entrepreneurial thing. So I dove right in. Yeah, Use that as leverage. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like one of the points I think you make there, though, that is we were building this thing up. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. But before you made the leave, you had like, you had everything in order. Like you had your finances in place. You know, you had your foundation set. And I was kind of in the same spot of whenever I started as a speaker, you're building, you're building, you're building. And it basically you get to a point where you're kind of working two, two full-time jobs. You know, you've got your normal thing that's paying the bills and you've got this new thing that's building up. And we had a kind of a 
followed a similar track to you. Like we'd got, we drank the Kool-Aid with Dave Ramsey probably around 2004 or five or so. And so we got debt free and had the emergency fund and, and all of that jazz. And then it makes it enormously simpler to make that leap from this part-time dream to this full-time thing because yeah. you, you don't have all the payments. You're not dragging around the debt. And it just made it massively, massively easier to make that step. It wasn't even like a leap. It just made it more like a, a step from one thing to the next. Yep, that's what it felt like. And it felt like, hey, I can always move back over to this other thing. Yeah, so it was very comfortable, uncomfortable. And being an entrepreneur, as you know, is always kind of uncomfortable. You still, I had lunch with a guy the other day who's like mid, late 50s, been an entrepreneur. And we were kind of talking about that tension. And he's like, you have to embrace that tension, that it's never going to feel... 100% 100% comfortable. It just yep. it just doesn't work like that, you know? When it's good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's really bad. And that's just <laughs> that's part of it. You have to learn to kind of stomach the the highs and lows of it. So, so how long were you doing the blog before you decided, "All right, the blog's going well. We're doing it full-time. What if we did a conference around this?" That's just a totally right. different beast to take on. So, how long were you doing the blog before you decided to, to take that next step? Yeah, so I started I planned the first FinCon for 2011. So a, a roughly a year after I went full-time for myself is when I announced the upcoming conference, which would be that fall of 2011. That seems yeah. quick. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Like, I've been doing something full-time for a year. Let's do a big conference around <laughs> it. Well, I'm still trying to figure, like, I'm still trying to get my own footing, right? So, like, what triggered that? Why did you decide to do a conference? And from 2007 to 2011, 2011, you know, I was building this online community of friends, people who I was interacting with on a daily basis. And more and more and more, my world was online. And my world was with these people, you know, across the world, uh, different states, and, and uh, just people who I knew virtually. And our community was very private in, in that they were a lot of anonymous bloggers initially. You know, I used to just go by PT Money, not share my real name and things like that. So there was this uh, sort of underground, I guess, of, of community out there. And as that took more and more, uh, I guess, uh, over my life, I had a stronger desire to be with those people. And that sounds really creepy. Uh, <laughs> but And so I would go to other events like New Media Expo or Affiliate Summit, and I would meet like one or two of these people. And yeah. it was it would change. It was like, wow, this is cool. Like I took this online anonymous relationship to like a real thing. We had lunch, we had dinner or whatever it was. And it's like, now it's a real relationship. And I don't know that feeling I couldn't get over, you know? And I said, I want to have that with everybody all at once. I want to have that same feeling, you know? Well, I really like what you said there, though, that like building relationships, like nothing changes the game like meeting in person. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can talk to, to people for you know, months or years over email or blog comments or whatever. But like when you meet in person, it just totally changes the game. I think about you and I, you know, we'd talked for uh, off and on for like a couple of years, I think. And not, you know, not real frequently, but maybe, you know, once, twice a year or something. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew I was speaking in Dallas and, and happened to be near where you were going to be. And so we met up for coffee and hung out for a couple hours. And it just changes everything, you know, when you're yep. able to just meet and you're able to look someone in the eye and you're able just to hang out with them. And so now, you know, since then, we've seen each other probably three or four times in person and it just changes the dynamic. Yep. So it's one thing, though, to be like, man, I'd love to see my pretend online friends more often. <laughs> it's another right. thing to be like, I'm the one that's going to bring like going to throw the party because let's be clear you didn't have any experience like planning conferences or planning events or bringing everyone together so you decide to do this like where do you go from there like i don't want to ask like how do you plan a conference because that's too vague but like what are some of those next steps of knowing that you want to rally the tribe but 
not knowing where to even begin. Yeah, so just to give a little bit more backstory, you know, I was in forums, forums, that's an outdated uh, <laughs> internet term, but I was in forums with like a lot of these people, so I kind of communicated with them on a daily basis. I had created this map, the personal finance bloggers map, and everyone could come pin themselves where they lived across the United States. So, so I was somewhat sort of already building like this. It wasn't centered around me necessarily, but I was kind of helping to like boost this tribe and, and continue this sort of connectivity with each other. My blog itself wasn't necessarily growing its own like rabid community, but I really had a strong connection to other writers out there. And so that's kind of what I guess turned my mindset toward doing this. No one else was doing it. I was kind of a B-lister in our community and I thought, well, hey, this is something that I could do now that I have now that I just have one job, now I need a second job, right? I'm always the, I'm the guy who's got to have like two things going on. Right? Right, I don't right. know what it is about me, but I got to have that side hustle thing. And so I knew I needed that. And so my first step was to kind of put it out there, just be bold and not ask questions first, but just put something out there. So I put like a simple landing page up and then I showed like 10 people from that forum that I kind of trusted not laugh at me or not, you know, right. and, and, and who I wanted to really make sure would be a part of it. Cause if, if it wasn't, if I didn't have it supported by sort of a, like a core group, you know, I feel like it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take off. And, and they did, they supported it. They said, how can we be involved? How can we support you? And so my new, my next step was to get kind of a more, get like a, you know, a, a true landing page up as well as like some social proof. So I put like a Facebook page together so that people could come to the page and see, hey, all these other bloggers are liking this. I also put a an a email form on there so people could sign up. So I knew, I, knew I, I didn't have tickets yet, but I needed a capture. I knew enough about email capture at that point to know that I got to get these people on a list so I can share with them more details as the thing comes about. So that was kind of square one. And it was positive. That was kind of my, I guess, testing opportunity to see how much interest there was before yeah. I called a hotel before I did ask the speaker to do anything. I mean, it was just literally, are you interested in coming together? And yeah. I, I, I got that sense. Yeah. I, I like that, that whole concept though, of just validating the whole yep. concept, the whole idea. Cause most people are like, okay, I want to do a conference. So, so, so let's call the hotel. Let's come up with a name. Let's do all this. And it's like, hang on, hang on. Before we even get near that, let's just figure out if anyone's even interested in this. Cause that would suck to like, call a hotel and pick a location and pick dates and pay a deposit and pay a bunch of deposits. And then you, you put it out there and people are like, nah, we're not really, we just want to stay anonymous, you know? So I love that. And again, this isn't just applicable for conferences. This is for anything, like any type of yep. idea or concept that you may have, like test it, figure out, is there anything there that people would be interested in long before you go have to create it or build it? Yep, totally. And it can be simple. It can be a dumb, simple WordPress-looking site, just enough to gather data. And if there's interest, you'll get it. You know, Use some social proof like I did. Show that other people are interested in it. I think that's important. And then capture that lead because it does two things. It gets that person to take that first step of engaging with you. And that's the next step You know, will hopefully be the purchase. But it also allows you to engage those people and create, helping to create the event, right? Because I, I wasn't a planner. I knew I, need, I was going to need some help, and I knew I needed some ideas in terms of what the community wanted. And so, you know, that's what I used that list for, was kind of generate ideas and to give surveys and things like that. And by the time the comments rolled around, I mean, these people felt like they had helped plan it with me. Right. They just took a lot of ownership in it. So you are starting to, to gather some interest in it. You start to put it together. You start to plan that first conference. Conference happens. What's that experience like, that first conference? 
It was amazing. It was one of the coolest moments of my life for sure. I was totally nervous. I'm not really a public speaker, but this is my tribe. This is my community, and I built this baby. And so I was proud to get up and welcome everyone and sort of you know give them what I had built. And it was a blast. And people loved being together. People loved the, the content and the the way we put together the event. I mean, people know what to do at a conference, but you know, there's certain things they expect too. And so having it at a hotel kind of made that easy for us. The hotel makes you look good. And, you know, I just tried to engage as many people as possible uh, so that at the event, you know, I wasn't running around doing it, having to do everything, but uh, there were a lot of th- kind of things in place. And so it, luckily it ran smooth. It was one of the coolest parties I think I've ever thrown and or ever will throw that first one. It was a blast. And it was just uh, a life-changing moment for me. It was wonderful. And so this year, 2015, will be, what, the fourth, fifth iteration of it? Yes, our fifth one. All right. And it's going to tell us more about it. So, And I, and I think before you do, this is important to note because I am not a financial blogger. I am interested in the space, but I'm not in the space. And so early on, I was like, ah, I mean, it, there's some people there I know. It sounds like a cool event, but it's not really my people. But I, I went last year just partly because I'm friends with you and I wanted to, to go check it out. And I was amazed at the number of people that aren't in the personal finance space. There's a lot, there's definitely that community there, but there's also a lot of people that are just interested in online business in general, podcasters, yep. bloggers alike, that there's several people I've been talking to in the past couple of months. I don't even think I've told you this, that I'm like, and that we're talking about conferences we're going to go to. And I was like, you got to go to FinCon. They're like, well, I'm not a financial. I was like, no, no, it doesn't matter. Like I went last year, you got to go. It's definitely, I promise you, it'll be your type of people. So, so tell us more about it for this year, where it is, when it is and all that jazz. Yeah, we'll be in Charlotte September 17th through 20th. That's this fall. That's going to be a great time there at the Western Charlotte. We have everyone sort of in the same location, all the events there at the hotel and the surrounding area. It'll be our fifth year. We have plenty of speakers this year. We have a cool keynote speaker. You may know him. His name's Grant Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. <We> also- <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm pumped to see what, what you're bringing to the stage. We also have Carl Richards from the Behavior Gap, writes for, does uh, sketch art for the New York Times as a cool co- sort of unique content creator in the financial world. We also have Miss Tess Vigland, who spent time with my Marketplace Money. She'll be there, as well as plenty of other speakers, guys like Pat Flynn, like you said, sort of from, from the online marketing entrepreneur world. Natalie Sisson will be there. And just a host of other great creators in the financial space as well as sort of a broader online marketing and entrepreneur space. It's a fun time. We've continued to expand the scope of FinCon. We started as a financial blogger conference, like you said, but even that first year, so many people were attracted to the conference, and and we have continued to expand the scope. We have lots of parties, lots of meals that are part of the ticket. Lots of sessions, many to choose from. Everyone who signs up gets a virtual pass. You get all the sessions. It's a blast. We're, we have a really good time. If you're really kind of a financial geek, we also have a fintech competition that we support that Chase's help isn't going to sponsor. If you're a freelance writer, we have a freelance marketplace there, some place you could come and, and find freelance gigs. And we have a mentorship program uh, as a part of the conference. And so not only will you get to go to sessions, which you could here um, matched up one-on-one with one of our speakers or one of our kind of experts there. So you may get to be matched up with Grant while you're at FinCon. So come check it out. Let's make that happen for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a great conference. I'm super, super excited about it. it. It's one I had on my radar. I was planning on, on attending either way, but uh, looking forward to uh, doing the, the closing keynote. It's going to be a lot of fun for sure. So if people want to find out more and register, what's the link we can go to? 
Yes, FinConExpo.com. Awesome. And your personal site, tell us about the your blog. Where can we find out? If we're interested in personal finance, we got to get some of that cleaned up for ourselves. Where can we go? Yeah, head over to ptmoney.com and take the 31-day challenge I've got set up. That'll get you started. Awesome. All right, man. I got a couple other questions that we're going to save for the bonus round. One thing I'm curious about is you've put on a few conferences at this point, so I'm curious about what's a time where like <laughs> everything just fell off the rails and how do you handle that for planning a conference? So I'm going to tease that out. Also, since we talked a lot about personal finance and personal finance is so critically important to people finding and doing work that they love, what are some of those next steps that people can take to get their finances in order in order to make some type of career shift or, or transition? So we're going to save that for the, uh, the bonus round. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, brother. We'll see you over there, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat with my buddy Philip Taylor, also known as PT. Really good guy, really, really cool dude, and has really put together an amazing conference. We'd love to have you be a part of it. FinCon happening again this September 2015 in Charlotte. It is a great, great event. Even if you're not someone in the personal finance space or or personal blogging space or anything like that, definitely want to check it out because it's really, it really is a great conference that you may want to consider stopping by and visiting. And if you're like, man, Grant, I know that you're a speaker. I know you've been speaking for a while. We'd love to hear you speak. Then this may be your opportunity. This could be one of your chances to stop by, check it out, and see uh, what it's like whenever I, I run my mouth in front of a, a group of people. So. So definitely check out FinConExpo.com. All right. I think that uh, wraps up this episode. We'll be coming at you again next week with some more delicious goodness. Catch you then. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit GrantBaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.